0: Dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Welcome again to Dominion Podcast. I'm your beta host, Jeremy Boyd.
1: I'm Alex Kluisterman.
0: And uh, we're here today to uh, talk about the dominion of Christ in all things. And, um, you know, we've been hitting some great topics lately. Mm-hmm. And this one really flows out naturally from, from the last one talking about courage and just where we're at with the uh, the church in Canada, yeah, and um, you know we're getting to a place where a lot of the other churches have been for a long time around the world, and it's a, quite a shock to us. So mm-hmm. um, we can learn from them, but uh, mostly we can learn from Scripture how to handle these times. So we're going to talk about the cost of discipleship tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought this would be good as, like you said, in light of last week's conversation, but just the context we find ourselves in and. You know, what we're trying to do in this podcast is, is you know, think together from scripture how we live under the rule of Christ and how we rule over creation in his name. But when we talk about dominion, it's easy to have the idea of, of domination, uh, which it yeah. doesn't mean. And domination is, you know, kind of the effortless overpowering of whatever obstacles in front of you. Yeah. and. Um, if you think of dominion that way, and the task that that God has called humanity to, and that Christ has restored uh, the new humanity to, and that Christ has taken Himself as both God and uh, the new man, the last man, um, the He, all things have been subjected to Him. If you take that kind of wrong view of domination, uh, that we will simply overpower every obstacle in front of us with effortless. Ease, um, you will be very surprised to experience the Christian life. <laughs> yeah. Because the Christian life is a life of, um, it includes suffering and sorrow and difficulty and many trials. Mm-hmm. And so I thought what we would do is explain, um, you know, the life of dominion in a Christian context and uh, in the current context and, and, we're kind of referencing a work by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, wrote a great book, The Cost of Discipleship, where he he talks about these things more in depth and he has a great quote where he says, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Yeah. And um I just want us to wrap our heads around what the real call of discipleship is. And it is a it is a costly Call and, and we get this, you know, not because we're just zealots and extremists and hardcore. We get this from the words of Jesus himself. We, re, we read Matthew 16, 24. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Hmm. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And this is I mean, this is loaded language and yeah. it is emotionally would be overwhelming to hear. Like we're, we're yeah. so used of the cross being something we're around our neck, being a picture that we have, you know, on a wall. And, and yeah, although I was just going to re-
0: say, there's like, you know, all the Christian art of, you know, taking up your cross. Yeah. You know, we, we think of uh, the way the world would use that, you know, yeah, I've got a, you know. This burden to bear in life. Yeah. That's not what it's talking about. No, it's, it's, a, talking it's about a method. Dying.
1: Yeah, it's a method <laughs> of execute a torturous method yeah. of execution reserved for the worst criminals and, uh, and dissidents. Um, a shameful experience. You know, it's, it's not even polite uh, to talk about crucifixion in in mm. polite company, and so when Jesus is saying, you know, he, he's not trying to gather a crowd the normal way. Yeah, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross, mm. and he's saying something profound about what it means to be his disciple. And I think we need to think long and hard about this because our experience—I'm generalizing—but to be a follower of Jesus Christ in Canada up until you know six months ago. Um, we obviously know that we don't share the same beliefs and values as the world. But generally speaking, we've been allowed to coexist. You know, we've been allowed to do our thing, they do their thing, right? Um, But more recently and increasingly, there's a conflict between Christ and the world. There's a conflict between Christ and the rulers of the world. And then therefore there's a cost to following him. And if, if we haven't, Thought And if we haven't been walking faithfully, uh, when we reach those tests, this is going to seem really strange mm-hmm. to us. And one of the things we want to just drive home at the outset is that this is normal discipleship what Jesus is describing is what discipleship should be for anyone. If anyone wants to follow me, he's not saying for the elite of the elite, this reserved yeah. group, this, this super spiritual person. The or second, it's
0: not the second blessing group. Yeah. You know? not, not the second <laughs> blessing group.
1: Uh, this is just, this was everyone who wants to follow me. Yeah. Pick up your cross. And, uh, we need to think about that in our mm-hmm. context.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can think of uh, the verse that's uh, escaping me right now where it is what uh, uh, I believe Paul says, everyone who wishes to live a godly life uh, in this world will be persecuted. Yes. Um, you have to refresh my memory where that is, but... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's really no two ways about it. I mean, no. we're, we're talking in a context of growing persecution here. Mm-hmm. But even apart from that, this is exposing... This is exposing how much we weren't taking up our cross beforehand. Yeah. yeah. It should have always been this painful. Yeah. Even without, you know, a hostile world, mm-hmm. just living in a godly, upright way yeah. is gonna make people hate you.
1: Yeah. And and maybe even back up before we even get to the external persecution of people and, and culture in right. the world, following Christ is a daily dying to yourself. Put to death the works of the flesh, you know, put off the old man. Yeah. Um, there's a sense in which to follow Jesus is to die every day. And this is, it begins before there's any external threat mm-hmm. whatsoever. And, uh, you know, we know that even from this text, What is what does he mean by deny himself? Um, well, it is to lose his life and to take up his cross uh, for Christ's sake. So what is what is his life? Well, I don't think it's just his physical life, right? Jesus, it may come to that, Mm -hmm. but you must uh, daily pick up your cross. It's not just losing your life, it's not that climactic moment at the end. It is the daily, continual decisions that you make. And I think when we look at it, this encompasses, um, uh, this encompasses obviously more than that. Um, I think it's the comforts that we seek. Uh, in our life, right to to die to yourself, your sinful desires, as Paul says, um, your desire for the praise of people, and your fear of people, uh, your desire for riches and wealth and comfort and ease and a trouble free existence. Mm, yeah, these are the things we need to put to death.
0: This is that's what Francis Schaeffer called the desire for personal peace and affluence. Right, right, and that's that's what he's talking about when he's talking about revolutions and people you know kicking against that because that's those are the uh, values of our of our world yeah and we all feel that now because we're looking down uh you know we're looking at these external things i know we're talking about the internal as well but in order to be persecuted externally we have to make those commitments internally yeah so you have to be willing to say okay well if they take my house you know so be it Uh, if, if this happens, if I lose my job, uh, if, uh, you know, if the government turns tyrannical, if whatever happens, happens, it all starts with us being resigned to that internally.
1: Yes. And one of the most important, the, the keys to this text is actually the context of it. And if we go, um, earlier, just before this, uh, he's actually, um, talking about his own crucifixion and, uh. I should open it. Do you have Matthew 16? Yeah, yeah, verse 21 to 22. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Yeah, so, You're
0: the anointed one. You're not supposed to suffer.
1: Exactly. Right. This, isn't, this is not the path to exaltation. Right. Um, we, need, we want a crown. And what Jesus is saying, well, the crown comes through the cross. One crucial thing we have to say about this is that, one, Jesus doesn't call us anywhere he hasn't gone. And this is very different. What's not happening is Jesus as a teacher, as a rabbi, as a philosopher, is simply telling people to be very devout in their religion. He is telling them that. But before he tells them that, he is explaining that he himself is going to pick up his cross and suffer and die. And we know the reason he did that was because of his love for us in our place for our sins. So Christ is not not just trying to, um, you know, draw some religious zealots around himself. Mm-hmm. He is going to the cross to save us. And once he has saved us, following him, looks like this but we have we have to get that right first because the motivation for this cross carrying can't just be white knuckling it can't just be you know trying to achieve a higher level of spirituality or righteousness or something like that it has to be motivated by the love of god it has to be motivated by the love that christ demonstrated for us on the cross and if it's anything less than that we won't we won't be engaged in costly discipleship, mm. but if we see the cost that Christ bore in Himself on the tree, then we will by faith willingly bear that cross. Mm. But we you have to get that first, and so often we read this text and we forget the context is Christ saying, yeah. "No, I'm go- I'm going there." Mm. But how often are we like Peter? We're like, "No, no, no, there's another way." Yeah, and that's what Satan tried to get him to do. Right? It's like, sure, you can have the world. You know, just don't go to the cross here, I'll just give it to you, yeah, I'll give you the world,
0: and uh just do it another way, just reach out your hand and take it, yeah, right, just like Adam and Eve the same it's the same lie over and over again, right, yeah, take it yeah. you can have you can have the things of God without doing it his way, without the suffering, yeah, um I've been thinking a lot lately uh just about how in all of this, we need joy, yeah. Absolutely, um, which is tough for me. I don't naturally. I'm not a bubbly mm-hmm. guy naturally, mm-hmm. uh, but joy isn't just that instant emotion, right? It's that deep, deep uh, fulfillment and happiness. So I think of uh, uh, Jesus went for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, yeah, right? So we're that. to have the same uh, attitude mm-hmm. uh, as we go out. Um, I was listening to a podcast today where one of the one of the guys who was a historian was talking about in the catacombs in in uh, Rome where the Christians used to hide, you can still see their artwork that they painted. Mm. And he said, it's just joyful artwork. Mm -hmm. It's not, woe is me. We're stuck underground. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's beautiful paintings of Mm -hmm. uh, baptisms and, Mm -hmm. and the Eucharist and Mm -hmm. uh, all of these other things. Mm -hmm.
1: So, and, and and that joy is, Derive from the fact not only context Christ and His love, but look what He actually says: Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses it, his life for My sake will find it. Yeah. See, we're not glorying in death as an end; that we're willing to accept death as a path towards life, and we that changes everything. That's mm-hmm. what makes your cross bearing joyful. That makes that's what makes your suffering joyful in the midst of it because you know that when you lose your life along the path of faithfulness you actually find it and i just told someone today i mean i was telling the elders like the last couple of weeks maybe even longer people ask how are you doing with things i say you know what it's the hardest it's been and it, i'm the happiest i've been
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it's just a weird I'm feeling that yeah. yeah it's like well yeah. it's never been so stressful and uncertain in ways it's been hard but I truly have not felt the joy that I have felt and not just not just individually but when we gather together mm-hmm. I mean church is just the happiest thing ever I've never experienced such joy yeah in, in gathering with God's people as I have in these days yeah and that I mean that's just the promise when you lose your life you find it and Christ came to give life mm. So it's not as though, um, you know, the two ditches would be to gain life without losing it, without faith and repentance, with, without costly discipleship. And the other would be to despairingly just lose your life. To think that there's, it's this only death, yeah, you know, and it's just a death and another death and to
0: not well, be... I think of a, you know, of a, per- a perversion of that idea would be the suicide bomber. Yeah. Right. I'm going to give my life to get something on the other side. Yeah. But that's not... That's not the way, right? You're, yeah. um, you're not doing it God's way that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we yeah, we don't merit it. Our death yeah. is, not, is not what merits salvation.
0: It's just the path we have to track. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. The evidence that we have received Christ as Lord and Savior is that we're willing to follow him through hell and high water. Yeah. But uh, there's something that just clicks in you when you realize that this, this is the good path. Mm-hmm. This is a good life. And it's not what most people think. Most people think the good life is, you know, a nice car and a nice house and a good education for your kids. and A
0: quiet life, never having to talk to your neighbors.
1: Yeah. You know? And and Jesus is not just saying, give up the good life for me. He's actually
0: saying. You can't have the good life (laughs) otherwise. Yeah, if you
1: pursue that as the good life, you won't gain life. Yeah, That's the irony. You pursue, pursue materialism, you pursue the praise of man, you pursue worldly pleasures as as your means to happiness, you lose happiness. Whereas if you pursue Christ and even give up all things, you actually find joy. You find life. Yeah. You find abundance. You find wholeness. Uh, even through the greatest difficulties. And that's, that's just... Honestly that's what has to drive
0: a costly discipleship. Uh, Hebrews 11 um, 25 and 26 come to mind in the Hall of Faith passage there. Uh, we'll start at 24 actually. Oh, By yeah. faith Moses when he was uh, when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Yeah. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward.
1: Yes. Not just the right thing, the better thing. Yeah. And that's what faith is. That's what the spirit does in regeneration. He helps you to see that Christ is not only true and he's right. And you begrudgingly go along. He, you realize he's better. He's just better.
2: Yeah.
0: It's, um, I'm going to be reading later on in the good portion, uh, a segment from, um, a, a martyrdom account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, it's been striking me just how uh, the Christian culture and the pagan culture right now are seeing things so differently. Yeah, we can both be looking at the same thing, and I was as you read those accounts, you're basically seeing, you know, people who are dying for their faith on the one side, and then people who are just looking at it like it's a game, it's yeah. a sport to be laughed at, and you think, how could they be so blind? Yeah. Um, I don't know if if that leads into sort of where we're going with the Second Corinthians passage, but just the the difference in outlook between yeah. the believer and the unbeliever, yeah. both looking at the same situation. Yeah, both you know we live in the same country with yeah. with the pagans around us, but yeah. we have very very different view of what's happening.
1: Yeah, the Second Corinthians two fifteen. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death. To death and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? So he's saying for some people, Christians are the fragrance of life, and for other people, they are the fragrance of death. Mm-hmm. And I think this has a lot to do with um, the nature of discipleship. Do we feel Christ's call, you know, follow me and pick up your cross? Is that a call to life, or is that only a call to death? You know, back to Bonhoeffer, when Christ calls man, He bids him come and die, but He also bids him come and live, and that's what needs to be added to that. Um, And so, you know, faith is the difference between seeing Christ called to follow Him as good or bad. You know, is is this a good thing or a bad thing? And Jesus warns about that in Mark four in the parable of the seeds. Right, some people they receive it with joy, but then the cares of the cares of earth or persecution and tribulation, or um, the desires for other things enter and actually chokes at the Mm -hmm. word and it's unfruitful. Well, that is the the life of unbelief that basically sees other things as more valuable than Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus is good, but when my comfort is taken away or when it could result in tribulation or when, you know what, I just want a simpler... Life. I want my stuff and we just quit. We're showing what we really value. We're showing what we really prioritize. Yeah. And I think if we're just, if we're going to bring this to the ground, like this is how a lot of Canadian Christians think that they're just, there isn't, we're going to read about the martyrs and they amen and amen that, you know, it's like, oh, well, I I hope that if I would be put in that position, I would stand. But what about the cross that you've been called, we've been called to carry today? What about the fact that, you know, if you if you run a godly household with godly priorities, you won't make as much money. You might not. You know, you might not have two incomes and sending your kids to daycare and, you know, you might, you might it costs more money. To, you, might,
0: you might have to sell the boat to put the kids through school.
1: Yeah. You know? And that just doesn't, that's just not normal for people or... Hey, you know, coming to church has been easy and free, and there's a latte machine in the foyer. But now it's actually, you know, the magistrate is saying you're not allowed to. So what are you, what are you doing? Um, you're not allowed to gather together. You know, you're not allowed to minister to one another, to care for one another. You're not allowed to pray for the sick. You're not allowed to do um, to care for your aged parents. You're not allowed to do a hundred things that Christ calls you to do. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just feel like, well, I can't do otherwise because that just wouldn't fit with my idea of discipleship. Like it, it just hasn't been costly. Surely that's not the cost. And that's exactly the cost. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it last week. I mean, the only way you get to the cross is through the garden. And we often think, oh, I would, I would bear my cross. But Jesus had to make that decision in faithfulness. Many times. Mm -hmm. He knew his whole life where he was going. He looked at Jerusalem and wept for it. He told the disciples repeatedly. He knew it wasn't his time. He avoided being uh, hailed falsely in the wrong sense. And he set his face like a flint towards the cross. In the garden, he didn't want to go, you know, and yet not your will, not my will, but yours, he prayed. Mm -hmm. And he made decision after decision after decision. He bore a cross long before he bore a cross. Is what I'm trying to say, and we need to start realizing that every single day this is our call. This is our call, and this is normal, and it's worth it.
0: It most certainly is. Yeah, there's a lot of hard sayings of Jesus in the in the New Testament, and these are some of them. You know, that to take up your cross, and um, you know, no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is worthy to be my disciple. Yeah, you know, Jesus says a lot of hard things like that. Yeah, and they're they're hard for us to swallow because you read that and you go, "Oh, that's me." Yeah, yeah. So you know, we just need to repent of those uh, those things. And yeah.
1: and this is a good thing for the church because it's a death of nominalism, yeah. right? And Jesus repeatedly, I mean, John six, he's like, "You're just here because I fed you." Yeah, right. There's a, yeah. You have many motivations for being here, and I provide. Things for you that you like, but it's not really me that you're here for. Yeah,
0: you're not my sheep.
1: You're not my sheep. Or the man, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's like, well, be on my command. Oh, I've done all those things. Okay, we'll sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Oh, that. Oh, that. (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah, that's that's your cross, right? And we need to think about what is what is our cross. What is the thing that we're least willing to give up? Well, that's the thing that we're treasuring. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's worth more to us.
0: Thank Christ. It's the idol hidden under the tent. Yeah. 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 Well, that's our talk on truth this week. Let's move on to the good. And uh, I've got a passage here. Just a sec. This is an account uh, from a history book called 2,000 Years of Christ's Power, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Available at the Westmount Bible Chapel Library if you want to take it out. It's a good library. Yeah, we got like a couple shelves of stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) Anyway, this is uh, an account of a young woman named Blandina who is martyred. And this is, I believe, Eusebius who has written down the account. And I I may have to stop at a couple points. It's hard to get through this. It's it's a pretty beautiful thing to read. Um, Okay. We all shuddered, and Blandina's earthly mistress, herself one of the martyrs, Feared that on account of bodily weakness she would be unable to make bold confession. Blandina was filled with such power that she was delivered and exalted above those who were torturing her by turns from morning till evening in every way so that they confessed that they were conquered and could not do anything more to her. They were amazed at her endurance because her whole body was mangled and broken. They declared that just one of those forms of torture was enough to destroy life let alone so many and so great sufferings. But the blessed woman contending nobly grew in strength by confessing her faith. She found comfort and rest and relief from the pain of her suffering by exclaiming, I am a Christian and we do nothing vile. Blandina was hung on a stake and exposed to wild beasts who were supposed to attack her. She appeared as though she were hanging on a cross. Because of her ardent prayers, she inspired the other combatants with great enthusiasm. They looked upon her in her ordeal, and they saw with their outward eyes the shape of their sister, uh, in the shape of their sister, the one who was crucified for them, that he might convince those who believe in him that everyone who suffers for Christ's glory has fellowship forever with the living God. Mm -hmm. Since none of the wild beasts at that time touched Blandina, she was taken down from the stake and thrown again into prison, preserved for another contest. On the last day of these contests, Blandina was again brought in, together with Ponticus, a boy who was about 15 years old. Every day that they had been brought in to see the suffering of the others and had been pressured to swear by the pagan idols, but they stood steadfast and despised the idols, so that the mob became furious. They had no compassion for the boys' youth nor any respect for the tender sex of the woman. So they subjected them to all the terrible sufferings and took them through the whole course of torture, repeatedly pressuring them to swear by the idols, but to no avail. Ponticus was encouraged by by his sister, so that even the pagans could see that she was confirming his strength. After nobly enduring every torture, he gave up his spirit, but the blessed Blandina, last of all, having encouraged her children like a noble mother, and sent them ahead in victory to the king herself suffered all their conflicts and hurried after them, exulting and rejoicing in her departure as if she were called to a marriage supper. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty amazing. So that's our good for the week. Good read and uh, pretty encouraging. Mm-hmm. For our beautiful this week, I'm going to, uh, as we exit, play a little bit of box Christmas Oratorio. I like to listen to it every Christmas, and uh, whether you like Bach or not, you, you should. You, you really should, because he's the greatest ever. <laughs> no joke. Bach's the greatest ever, and uh, I'll uh, stand on that. Anyway, we'll play that as we head out, uh, but for this week, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Alex. And uh, we're encouraging you to live under and rule over. See you next week.